This is the Under Pressure Outdoors Podcast. We're joined by Sid Tyson. Is that how you say your last name? Tyson is close enough. Tyson, close enough. Yeah. Uh, we're talking the ins and outs of mud motors and what makes them tick and just some general hunting stuff. Uh, Sid owns Fast Up Motors as our local mud motor mechanic. So, Sid, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've uh, been around 18 years this February. Um, started out, worked on small engines in general, lawnmowers, you name it. You know, I tinkered with them. And uh, found that there was a need in this area, you know, for a, for a good mechanic, somebody that wanted to learn and figure something out. I had a, a background in long haul communications and was working on telecom and that kind of thing. And they were getting ready to sell the company. And I was like, it's time to do my own thing. I'm, I'm over working for somebody else. So here I am, 18 years later in February. That's been this quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never, never in a million years. I started out in my garage, and uh, you know, I'd have a couple boats in my driveway, and I'd put put a couple together. I had a deal with a gentleman named Ted Emsminger and uh, at Bass Pro. He was their hospitality guy or his like event planner, and um, I would go buy a tractor boat, bring it back to the house, put a long tail on it, set it out by the road, and you know, hope somebody bought it, and. Uh, the first six months in doing that, I was like, all right, God, I thought this is what I was supposed to be doing, you know, and um, had a guy call me out of the blue, and that was the first boat that I sold was six months after I got into this. <laughs> I was like, I got to do something different, <laughs> but I'm no salesman. I'm not a great salesman at all. You know, I just, I tell you the truth, and it is what it is, you know. I can't... Uh, can't look somebody in the eye and bullshit them. Sorry, I don't know if I can say that. That's all right. <laughs> but, but I just I can't do that. Never have been able to, and just and sometimes I'm I'm honest to where it hurts their feelings, and I don't even realize I'm doing it. So, so uh, what made you want to get into into this business? The biggest thing was the, um, you know, Lamar Cox and uh, Florida Mud Motors. He had been been in it for a while. Um, I think he had been around 15 or 20 years, but he was the only guy in the state, you know, and there's a lot of people that, you know, I'd work on them on the side or whatever. And I didn't do a lot of, a lot of, uh, repairs. Then there was a gentleman that, that had, uh, started out with me and he knew how to work on motors a lot. And I was, you know, just kind of spreading the wealth, that kind of thing. Cause I didn't know really the direction this was going to go. You know, I knew what I wanted to do, but you never ultimately know where it's going to be. And um, the big thing is, is that the uh, uh, I never had no no idea that it would get to this, you know. And it was it was just the need for people that had them, and uh, and it was just a matter of you know saying, hey, I'm here, we can fix them for you, that kind of thing. Well, I know I've called yeah. you quite a few times. <laughs> yeah. I say I know just about now you go on any of the mud motor pages, and somebody has something. There's like probably at least 30 people in that thread that are like, hey, Sid, Sid, fast up, Sid. <laughs> well, I was, I was over on um, 
skied a pond the other week going and scouting yeah. and uh I was telling the guy about that. I talked to you about it last Wednesday about the yeah. guy that blew up on a forty. Yeah, and he was down there from Melbourne. Yeah, and I told him that yeah. I was up there in Central Florida. And he goes, "Yeah, uh, you get Sid to work on your stuff, right?" And I said, "Yeah, with fast duck motors." And he goes, "Okay, well, how is he?" And I told him, "You know, oh, he's good. I he takes care of me. I bring him all my stuff." And he goes, "Yeah, I think that I'm going to make that four hour drive." <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of guys that that make that drive. You know, they'll come from the Everglades, Miami. Fort Myers. There's a couple guys that I know down there that are really good at what they do. Um, you know, a lot of people know Monty Clark. A lot of people know uh, Michael Thomas. Uh, Michael Thomas, he's he's just one of those quiet gurus. You know, he just kind of hangs out in Fort Myers there and, and does his thing. And then you got Monty that's a little bit further north. And, uh, you know, those guys are good. They know what they're doing. It's just a matter of, you know, trying to find somebody close to you is the hard part, you know. So. I know we had bought a dang, I had a buddy buy a boat in South Georgia and he gave us a bunch of receipts and stuff with it and one of them was a fast duck motor receipt. I said, son of a gun. <laughs> 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 we came all the way from Georgia to have Sid build a motor on his boat. Got some guys bringing a boat tomorrow. So. <laughs> yeah, we do. There's, you know, it's, it's, again, I never in a million years imagined the reach or the clientele that, that I would end up having. So I'm grateful for that. But the, uh, there's, I've got customers in Alabama, um, Louisiana. I try to refer them, you know, to Andy, the boat doctor. He's another good one. Um, it's all these guys, honestly, I think there's very few that I can say do good work, you know, and I, because mostly because I don't know them, you know, I yeah. don't know, I don't know what anybody's work is, but a lot of the guys, when we go to the mud fest, we're all there and, you know, they have their close friends that go and everybody enjoys themselves and it's not the adversarial i'm better than you kind of thing yeah. you know we all we all strive to give you the best product and and the best motor you can run without blowing it up will you but, be at orange lake up there in georgia yeah i'll probably Come, be there when again. is that gainesville, yeah, gainesville? gainesville. okay yeah. yeah i'll probably be there again it'll be the third year hopefully right. B- barring any catastrophes them having it in um february is actually a good time so yeah yeah, you got Kyle and a bunch of those guys that are uh, that put it on. Michael Canaday from Backwater um, Mud Motors, not Backwater, but uh, Black Creek. Adam, Black Adam Creek helps out with a little bit too, I think. Yeah, Adam, Adam does a lot of that stuff. You get a lot of those guys that all know each other, either from the page or different pages and stuff. But um, but uh, Adam posted up the other day that he goes, "Hey, I need guys for the poker run." So. We'll see. I'm sure there was already four or five guys yeah. up there. Well, me and Jordan will be up there. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I finally get to meet you. I mean, as, often as, <laughs> as often as Jordan's boat breaks down, I've heard your name. <laughs> <laughs> so many times it gets annoying. You know? He was good at breaking that 7,000. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Fingers crossed. No it's that. been running like a champ. Like I was going to say, I haven't seen you in about a year, so it's doing good. I think the last time I saw it was the um, you were actually pulling somebody in with your boat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was different than the other. The first year, I think, was when you had that rocker ball break yeah. on it and um we tried a temporary fix or yeah, you well, didn't yeah. yeah didn't work too good no. so, i think you didn't make it 100 yards 300 yards <laughs> into the orange lake run and it blew it right back out well jordan decided to have other boats scout for him now so he yeah. doesn't have to break his and then the yeah. distance i runs, yeah. he's finding the closest <laughs> boat ramp possible <laughs> uh, all of us go through that stage where we want to go fast and 
and do everything we're not supposed to. I did so, that with that old 40 Kohler that I had yeah. that I blew up, and then I finally decided, you know what, I kind of like reliability. I like riding better than, not, than being pulled back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of them. The, uh, there's so many options for us nowadays that it's it's awesome. It's it's a it's actually become pretty nice, and they've become so far more advanced than what mm-hmm. they were. It's a total different world than when I started out in them. You know, we didn't even have a surface drive when I started. It was a long tail or nothing. Did you and, work on that long tail with that Harley motor that was on it? That I've seen a few. Uh, there's honestly, there um, people are scared of them, so they don't run them. Um, there's there's a gentleman in Deland that has one. There were a couple of them that had one, and uh, they rode them around for a little bit and then sold them. But they were the the uh, um, I think it was uh, Beaver Tail that was selling those, so they were pretty crazy. So we're talking about speed. How fast is a fast duck boat? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of guys that are, that's all they want to do. They want to go fast. And I think the fastest one is uh, um, Wiley, Nick Wiley. And um, he's got a, a basic boat that he's built a motor for that's supposedly running 45 miles an hour, 40 or 45 miles an hour. I've never seen it, don't know much about it. But um, he he sells some some different performance parts out there, you know, to help these things go fast. Average, you'll get guys, different rigs, different setups. They'll run anywhere from 30 to 35 miles an hour, you know, on average. Which back in the day, you know, 25 Kohler was the biggest block <laughs> yeah. you could get on a long tail. And if you were running 17 with a 17-foot boat, you were in hog heaven. So, but um, But now... I mean, even some of the stock motors that are out there, that new 40-horse mm-hmm. EFI motor from Briggs on anything is pushing the boat a minimum 29, 30 miles an hour. Sure. So, yeah. Across the board, there's different ones. So what other factors play into speed other than the engine itself? Um, you can look at hull design. You can look at um, uh, area conditions, you know, if it's rough out, if it's smooth, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but mostly your hull design... And your your prop can help. There's little there's little different nuances that you can really dial it in. You know if you want to. The um, each of these mud motor manufacturers, anywhere from Mud Buddy to Gator Tail to Pro Drive to to um, Beaver Tail, they really dialed in their frames, their gearing, and all of that. Their props, all of that, to that to their design. So all of them do well. And the the glorious thing about that, and just a stock motor. Is the is the fact that there's so much competition between those guys, you know that um, that they're 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 getting better and better, you know. Mm-hmm. So Mudwalker, um, I know he's doing a few things with a couple motors with uh, Northwest Horsepower, I think it's called. Um, they're doing extremely well. They got some some crazy stuff. I've seen him post something today about he's building one reverse now. Yep, yep. He finally released it. He's been doing it all year. The uh, Northwest is uh, Midwest horsepower. Yeah. I'm sorry, not Northwest. Mid- Midwest horsepower is um, doing the helping him with his reverse, and they helped him with the initial design on it. And uh, he kind of swore me to secrecy, and I couldn't say anything. So, but I saw <laughs> he announced it, so I'm I'm happy for him. There's so many guys, like I said, that are out there that want to do this. It's a tough market to mm-hmm. get in because there's been so many advancements just in frame designs and learning gear ratios and learning how to balance these motors and just make them 
you know, good all around with all the manufacturers that we're the beneficiary. We're the ones that get the good stuff. Now, yeah. who do you think that has the best reverse system on their motors? Oh, hands down, it's ProDrive. You can talk to anyone. You can talk to any one of the mud motor manufacturers. You can talk to Glenn. You can talk to Kyle. You can talk to KP. You can talk to all those guys, and they'll tell you that KP has the best reverse. It's full power reverse on a pro drive. Yeah, I got the pleasure of meeting KP last season when I was coming back from Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he um, he had just uh, worked out a deal with uh, Blue Gabe, you know, on a boat package and that kind of thing, and. The um, Blue Gabe's had it on a couple times, I think, already with a couple of his YouTube channel videos that he does and that kind of thing. So, but um, but yeah, hands down, it's the only one. Nobody can match it. Nobody can. I tell you, I like the power that goes into that full power reverse, mm-hmm. but it takes forever to get into reverse. It seems like <laughs> it can. He KP has made some advancements on him. He's um, he's coming out with an instant reverse. So that you can, like, if you're just backing off the trailer or whatever, you can pop it in reverse and get off of there. Um, if you get into the full power reverse, he's got some better um, hydraulic systems on there. No long gone are the pumps that you used to have to have inside of the boat that add a little extra weight. He's got actual hydraulic, you know, almost like a mercury trim or that kind of thing that, uh, that helps them, gives you a little more power to turn them mm-hmm. around and that kind of thing. So I'll say, because I know we got a buddy that's got one, and sometimes you're getting real thick stuff. It's just a real pain to get actually yeah. in there. But his is an older one where he has the two pumps in the boat. Yeah, yeah. The big thing with those, is, and a lot of guys think they just turn them around when they're in the in the water. The big thing with those, you got to trim them up, turn them around, then bring them back down. And that's when you that that's where your hang up is. Is if you mm-hmm. get in heavy, heavy vegetation like you're talking about. It makes it hard to turn it because it all kind of bunches up. Yeah, you can't go anywhere because there's no water. <laughs> so. But it has got us out of some some sticky situations. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There, most of the ones Gator Tail, my buddy uh, Beaver Tail, they ha- and even Go Devil, they've got a um, a static reverse, much like an outboard. You know, it's not going to give you a ton of power or anything like that. And mostly because of the wheels we're putting on them. You know, none of these props are made to go in reverse. That's just how it is. Yeah. But there's um, Andy came out with a prop, um, Boat Doctor. Um, they call it, he has a name for it. I cannot remember it. Saved my life. But it's a great little two blade that backs up pretty good. The three blade Raptor 2 from Mud Buddy or BPS. Um, Glade and those guys developed a great three blade prop that, um, you know, it backs up pretty good. The hammer backs up pretty good, you know, on a lot of these. So uh, Pro Drive, there's a couple guys. Well, there's only one guy that's making a, a drive shaft for a pro drive that's hex now so that you can pop it in there, the you know, day. and be able to run hammers on them, you know, run any of the mud buddy props and that kind of thing. So oh, That's what KP did for us on one of our boats was mm-hmm. he turned around and put a different output shaft in it so yeah. we could run yeah. the mud buddy props on it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> what are the advantages or what is the difference advantage, disadvantage wise between a two blade and a three blade prop? Two blades spins up. Prop speed is everything. I think you were, it might have been you with one of your um, one of your buddies that was, uh, we tested one on a gator tail. It was a stock gator tail. And we put the three blade on a stock 37 gator tail. And you had to start the prop higher up in the water mm-hmm. and then trim it down. And then it would, after you were starting to get on plane and it would take off and it works fine. Everything is controlled. Your whole shot, all of that stuff is controlled by 
prop speed. So the faster you can spin that prop up, the faster you get on plane, the faster you can come out of the mud, dirt, whatever. The, the three blade is a bigger blade to spin. So it takes a little bit to spin it up and a little different mode of operation compared to the two blade. The two blade, everybody's been used to that from the long tails all the way up to, to whatever. You know, on a long tail, you, you mashed the throttle to where it was full throttle and then you dumped it in and told everybody, hang on. That's all you did. So. Well, that's, I was probably doing it wrong. That's why, my, that's why I got rid of my three blade. That's why Jordan's running my three blade now. Well, his motor, you know, the performance motors that are out there, the biggest killer is RPMs on these motors. So when you've got, you know, a motor that can turn 46, 4,700 RPMs, they're not meant to turn that fast, you know. I'll, and I'll catch flack. I'll catch flack from Delta, from Kalen, from Nick, all those guys that I'm talking out of my ass on that. But these motors, when you get above 4,300 RPMs, you start a negative return. Because I can tell you from experience, and I, and I can't speak for all of them, I just know that in the past, these, these billeted parts weren't balanced. They weren't, you could stick two of them on a, on a scale together and one would be a couple ounces off from the other. You know, not much, but that's not balanced. You know, and you yeah. blueprint an engine. That's why they blueprint and do what they do on race engines. And these are just, you know, there's a lot of slop in a stock Briggs motor. Don't get There's lawnmower engines at the yeah, end of the day. It. At the end of the day, they go through a lot of stuff to that... And these motors move and do all kinds of stuff, but they manage to run and they last a long time. It's good to know that you're bringing up the 4,300 RPM and stuff like that. I'm scared to take mine yeah. over 4,000 because right. I want to blow it up. I was, yeah. say, I was here one time. It was probably when I blew that boss out. He had asked me something. It was like what I was running. I said, well, sometimes I'll hit like 48, 49, just if I'm like trying to get on it real good. I don't hold it, but I'll just... And he was like, yeah, those things aren't supposed to run anything over 45. I was like... Makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> a big split yeah. in my block. Yeah, my, maybe my uh, boss is not in there anymore. Yeah, you get, it's, I don't know, there's a lot of mixed reactions, and you'll get guys that say, oh, I built a motor that can turn that all day. Well, they might. They might. But there's a lot of them that I see getting rebuilt, you know, after they've been out for 10 or 15 hours, 25 hours. You know? Yeah. And if you got the money and want to do it, then by God, build it. Yeah. yeah, I tell you, it hasn't taken a dump on me since I started running it. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> Reasonable, right? Yeah. <laughs> I do that three blade though. The only thing I found with the three blade on my boat, well, because I know, like, I gave him my hammer mm -hmm. to get his three blade, mm -hmm. and the hammer carried a load a lot better. Right. And the three blade with that gator tracks, if I get in like a real sharp turn, the three blade will cavitate. Yeah, it will a little bit, but not enough. Yeah. Not enough that you're gonna go. Oh my God, I'm gonna hit the yeah. trees yeah. on that little gator tracks of yours that you got. That's a 35 mile an hour boat with that 7,000 yeah. on the back of it. You know, I've seen 40 on it before going down that. It was just me by myself. Not yeah, the boat, yeah, yeah. You might you might weigh 110 pounds, yeah. but that has always been a good a little boat. We had me at 200 and. 50 pounds my dad that, at about 230 pounds <laughs> briar at about 260 pounds and him plus a full hunt load we did 30 across the lake oh absolutely yeah. that little boat is always right yeah. that little thing as long as the boat boat bottom doesn't get beat up too bad it'll keep running i try to get people being trying to buy it from me on facebook i'm like not selling the boat the selling motor. the motor yeah. <laughs> i'm not saying the motor but the boat's staying with me i like it too much yeah turns so, a lot better than mine yeah 
Yeah. So in your opinion, what's the best whole motor combination? Man, that's the that's the loaded question. I'm telling you, there's so the, the way key I, word is opinion. Right. <laughs> so my my opinion on all of those is you have every hull motor combination seriously you take a gator tail they've designed a hull to go with their gator tail motor so you'll see them where they run 32 33 miles an hour right off the off the trailer straight from the factory you take but where, where i look at it as and i use racing analogies i'm you know old school but you you can take you have your dragsters and you have your nascar and you have your road course nascar and road course are a lot of the same still a little different setup but they handle and they turn. They're not the fastest in the straightaway, but they can take you through turns and chicanes and all that stuff, and you don't wreck. <clears throat> then you have your dragsters. Your dragsters are made to go fast in a straight line. They turn like a dump truck, and you don't you don't race on a road course. It's just that's the simple fact of it. So your dragsters are your hulls that have that square chine hull or the reverse chines or you know the different ones that are not that rounded chine. Like a uh, like a Gator Tracks or an Excel or somebody like that. So, if you want handling, I tell people if you want handling, grab a Gator Tracks and Excel or any kind of rounded China hull. Go Devil, a lot of those guys, all build great handling hulls. You know, um, Warren Coco, he's the godfather. Warren has been building boats long before anybody has, and been building motors long before anybody in this world. You know, so. He's, he has seen it and probably done just about all of it, you know. So for me personally, I don't think any one hull is better than the other. I don't think any combination is better than the other. It's ultimately you have to kind of know what you hope to, to achieve with your hull when you're running it. And then I try to give you the best setup for that, you know. If you're going to be running a lot of creeks and you're running in Arkansas and you're running through the timber, and there's no real path through the timber, you need a boat that's gonna handle. You gotta be able to go through there, you know? And there's just some hulls that they, they do great, but you're not gonna go fast, you know? You'll, you'll make it through there and you'll get through there, but then <laughs> I could tell you story after story where the guy says, oh, I got my new boat. I figured out I gotta start turning or slowing down a whole lot sooner. <laughs> you know? So we got a viewer that was asking you a question while we're on the we'll subject. Right, in a minute, right. but. <laughs> Before we get there, uh, explain what a chine is for somebody who doesn't know. So you got, yeah, basically your chine is, is the, the bottom of your boat and how they've built that bottom, okay? So you've got, on an Excel, you've got a quadruple taper chine. They, at the Excel factory, they have a phenomenal machine there that you stick a piece of aluminum in and it'll build it bend it to one ten thousandth of an inch so they do four bends that makes that rounded chine coming around on the bottom of the hull they also do a vapor a viper hull which is basically if you look at it from the back in a picture looks like a big m you know with where on the last outside leading edge of the chime is pointed down and that's basically like gives you a little more lift with an outboard and they turn on a dime they do extremely well Gator Tracks does a completely rounded chine, and they pull theirs up, and it's just a, a bend that comes around, and they they support it and do that. And a lot of the stuff that the Gator Tracks does with theirs is there's little things that people don't notice, um, like their T rail. 
their T-rail, which is their gunner rail, the top of it, when it comes down the boat, it goes down to the very back of the hunt deck now. Well, if you ever look, when you take a sharp turn, that water's hooking that T-rail, and that's what's helping that boat come around along with the rounded chine. But if you ever notice, when you turn, you not so much on yours, because yours is a little older, but on the newest ones, when you take a turn sharp, sharp turn with them now, that nose will actually dive and it will make that turn and you can turn in a 20 foot circle with it like it's nothing. But that's all because of hydrodynamics and the way they designed that hull. So, right. You know, again, all of them, none of them are made to turn at 30 miles an hour. I don't care who you are. So, I can do it with but, mine, but it might end up in the bottom yeah. of the lake. Yeah. <laughs> I would say, I've, I've done it with mine a couple times, but uh, the water comes in the back corner a little bit. Yeah, well, I did yeah. it with mine once and then uh, I was holding on to my grab bar, but it was no longer on my boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So while we're talking about boats and different motors and stuff, I sourced some of the listeners uh, for questions they had for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, Richie B. We're going to call him Richie B. Cause <laughs> I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name. Uh, what would be best for a heavy... 610 pounds dry semi-v boat that runs mainly rivers creeks mud sand and rocky bottom there's several that are out there that are real good um the two that i sell here at fast duck are are gator tracks and excel your gator tracks anytime you get into a hull that builds a 190 bottom you know and they do 125 gauge size that's a welded hull you got welded seams and that kind of thing the nice thing with Gator Tracks, it's a one-piece hull. You know, it comes around, um, and it's it's tough. I mean, it's it's been around as long as I've been in, in business, so it's proven that it can take the beating. And we used to run them up on rivers, rocky rivers, four mile an hour current, that kind of thing, and they take a beating. And then it, you've got Excel as well, and Excel is offering the 125 gauge upgrade package. And both of those companies have added extra longitudinal stringers in there for strength on the bottom of the hull to keep them from bending and and taking the impact that they can they can take. So they do a lot of extra welded in supports. Some of them are heavy, some of them aren't. You know, um, I know that Gator Tail they do some stuff. Sea Arc does some stuff. Um, everybody again, we're the benefactor because everybody's trying to make their stuff the best. And and you know honestly. I think we would all pass out if we knew the amount of money that's spent in R&D from all of the major mud motor manufacturers and boat boat manufacturers, you know. I know the Sea Arc Mud Runner, when it first came out, everybody's scared to death of them, you know, but Sea Arc has gone back, they've redesigned them, they've made them better, and, you know, they're getting there. But um, as far as like a V-Haul like he's talking about, um, that's all Excel makes right now. They don't make a square, square chine anymore. Um, but it's a great boat that you can run those rivers. Um, the Gator Tracks, you know, if you have a specific design that you want to build, um, then that, that Gator Tracks would probably be a better option for you. You know, you can, it's like walking in a la carte, you know. You're going through the buffet line at, <laughs> at Quincy's or something, you know. And you're like, oh, I'll take a little of this and put it in here. And before you know it, you got your boat. So, um but yeah, any any of them have great v holes. You just if you're gonna do a custom boat, you gotta know what you want going in, and then hopefully you find that person that knows. Now that with his style that he was wanting to run and stuff <clears throat> like that, that 17 foot v hole, mm-hmm. and he's running kind of like a deeper water and the rocky, and then yep. he's running sand bottoms and mm-hmm. mud bottoms stuff. What what motor brand 
would you suggest any that you any of them? them seriously any of them can make it any and all of them are tough enough to handle it now there's no one one motor um if so <laughs> the proverbial question in the room you could walk in with 20 guys and all of them own mud motors and look at all of them and say who has the best mud motor you'll get 10 different answers <laughs> yeah, no, I see it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So the the big thing is, like I said, what it boils down to is ergonomics, what you prefer to drive over the other, you know. Um Gator Tail Pro Drive, those guys have made huge strides in the last two years with the new new fold up handles and you know, before they jerk your arm out of the socket, <laughs> you know. But um Pro Drive has made it a little more ergonomic for you within their handle now. Uh, Gator Tail's come out with a hand guard and, you know, a little more ergonomic with your tilt and trim and that kind of thing with your clutch and all that stuff. Um, Mud Buddy has always been that way where it's been right there at your hand. So, you know, for me, that Mud Buddy has that little extra of uh, stuff, but I do I do like the way the Pro Drives handle. I do like the way all of them handle now. They all do. Do you well. prefer the... Um the kind of bike handle throttle that like Mud Buddy and GTR and all them guys have, or do you prefer the twist throttle that Pro Drive has? Well, Pro Drive has got the twist throttle, and the, the the way theirs works now. Initially, I didn't care for it. I'll be honest with you. That's just the short and sweet. Didn't care for it initially, but the way they've got it now, it's a little easier to handle. Um, the motor is a little bit easier to steer. It's not a. It's not as. Um, I don't want to use the wrong word, but it's just the difference between old technology and new technology. That really is what it all boils down to. And everybody has made those strides, you know, so that everybody can have the best of all the worlds that they want to have. So so what kind of abuse can these mud motors and holes really take? <laughs> I mean, I've seen him be the ever-loving crap. You know, I've seen Jordan be the ever-loving crap out of his. Well, if you like to fix things, Beat the ever-loving crap out of them because you won't fix them. <laughs> yeah. That's all well, there is to got, it. Sid's got plenty of late afternoon, late night messages like, hey. Uh. Yeah. If I had all the parts off of his motor, we'd make a big, gigantic wind chime. Yeah. 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 <laughs> on my old boat, I, took, I took my old boat gator hunting into the cypress trees one night, and I bent the entire T-rail in like five-eighths of an inch. Yeah. Like it, I, it came down the boat, and then it bowed in and came back out within like a four-foot section. Uh, so yeah. I see, that, my, that gator tracks of mine, I, it has been like rammed into a lot of shit, and it just takes it like a champ. Yeah. They're, again, all of them, they're building them so tough now. Yeah. You know, you see these bins, you, you look at, at Excel, and I think they've got um, 19 bins in one side of their boat, you know. When Freddie, Freddie uh, King started driving the Excels in Arkansas and running them through the trees, I'll never forget the story where I heard that he came out with the first one, came back to the factory with the first one and said, I think y'all need to build them a little bit better because he had destroyed that boat. I mean, just destroyed it. That sounds like a fun yeah. job to me. Oh, God. He was, I mean, you can go back and look at some of his videos where his Excel is wedged between two trees, but the, the gunnel rails aren't bowed in. They're not bent. And he's sitting there with the motor running, looking off in the distance like he's running, and the boat's just sitting still between the two trees. So. <laughs> Freddie, Freddie is a different breed, that's for sure. But the um, yeah, the funny part though with it, with that, you know, is that 
all of them again are trying to make stronger gunner rails trying to make them where you can bolt accessories into them and and do different things like that i mean even tracker from uh tracker marine the grizzlies that they're putting out they've made huge changes in theirs you know um and they want to do an accessory rail and that kind of thing i think kind of the next big thing is that you can during hunting season you can bolt shell holders and cup holders in there mm -hmm. or you know that kind of thing so it's pretty funny so can mud motors be safely ran in salt water and what kind of extra maintenance do you need uh they need when you do run them in salt water absolutely they can we uh we i run mine in salt water all the time you know we'll go i've, I've only been to yankee town once but i fish a lot in the lagoon and a lot of brackish water new smyrna different areas there's the biggest thing that you have to get into the routine if you're going to go in salt water you have to come back you can't wait a day you can't wait 30 minutes to me the sooner that motor's cooled down and you can get to a car wash and just missed it off you can't do it fast enough kind of thing um there's a product out that's called inox everybody knows i preach it i do that <clears throat> you told me about yeah. that and my my motor's coated in inox um i am uh inox is a non-petroleum base so Back in the day, everybody would tell you take motor oil and WD-40 and put it in a squirt bottle and spray it. You know, I think even Mr. Warren, he's still telling people to do it. You know, the, some of the problems that happen <clears throat> when you use motor oil or a petroleum-based product is it hardens the, the outside coating on your wires, and then it starts to crack, become brittle, and then it falls off, and then you got a bare wire there. The nice thing with this Inox is it's non-petroleum-based, they have several different formulas that you can use on it. Their MX-3 is what I give to everybody. When you buy a motor or if you come in and I work on your motor, I give you a small can of it. And I tell you the pickling formula, you know, <laughs> and I tell you how to take care of it. But for salt water, what I do with mine <clears throat> is I treat it the night before I'm going to go. I get up in the morning, I treat it again, and I spray the whole motor. You can spray your spark plugs with it. If you can find, honestly, if you can find any protectant that is non-conductive and is non-petroleum based, use it. Just find it somewhere. Well, I know but, you can find the Inox at any of your Napa's. Napa's, you can find it at Ace Hardware. There's a lot, they're starting to become more and more nationally known and it's a great product. You know, the, um, I had heard about Inox over seven, eight years ago from a guy at a, we were at a church function um, for a, it was like an outdoor youth day or whatever and I brought the boats over there for people to see and this guy comes up and he says what do you use to protect that motor and I said oh silicone <laughs> you know nothing um, because where there weren't really any good products out there and, and I didn't run mine in salt water that much back then mine was mostly the river or the lakes or whatever and I didn't have to worry about it but I had customers that did so then I started the proverbial search Where's the perfect protectant, you know, to, to spray this thing with? And that's where Inox came in. And um, you you basically, after you treat it, you go fish, you do whatever you're going to do, come back. And I usually find a car wash within 30 minutes of where I'm at. And my son will tell you, you know, that's the biggest pet peeve is if you don't wash it and you drive an hour to get home. Because I drive an hour to go to the coast. I don't care where I go. You know, mm -hmm. it could be anywhere. So I don't even want that salt water to sit on my frame. I don't want it to sit on my springs, my shackles, anything on my trailer, nothing like that. So that's my, my OCD. But if you get to the closest car wash, 
take and spray your trailer down, spray everything down on it. Get it all clean and then just kind of mist your motor. Don't blast it or anything, but mist your motor. Be mindful of your vent on the side of the, the motion base of the belt housing. Be careful of your, your intake, you know, on your, your air intake and your filter and that kind of thing. Um, but you can mist all of that. A lot of guys with the Makuni carburetors, I tell them carry uh, some Ziploc bags and stick it over the intakes with the uh, rubber bands and mist your whole motor. Go through all of it, spray it down. And then by the time you get home, at least you don't have the salt water on it, but it'll yeah. be dry by the time you get to the house. And before you walk in the door, spray the whole motor down with Inox again. And it'll, it'll stop it. It'll stop it completely. So these kit motors you we see now mm -hmm. all over the place are are they worth the savings you you get over a stock motor um i think if you're at an entry level and you're not sure that this is your thing you know that you're gonna like it um absolutely <clears throat> you get a lot of kids that are 18 19 years old they can't find a good used one and they can't afford a, a new one you know a new basic motor is going to cost you $9,500 right now. There's, there's not a lot of people with that much money in their pocket, you know. Um, but every now and then you'll get the deals. But at the same time, you're still going to spend four or five grand on a good used one. So, um, but the kits, there's some that are out there. There's others that are out there. Uh, I don't want to say any names. I don't want to judge anybody. But the, the bottom line is some are good, some are bad. I know these little tie motors. 800 bucks for a thing and you bolt a little harbor freight motor on craigslist it. specials they seem to do really really well you know for a small package and somebody is just getting into it i think it's a great idea there's some other um smaller surface drives that are out there that i think that they still got a long way to go but i tell you who's who's come a long way and he's starting to kind of make a splash in it is a uh, mud walker you know they're they're starting to come along with some good stuff and He's in it for the long haul. He wants to provide a good product and he wants to do well with it. You know, you've got your five main companies that I think are the ones that are the leaders. You know, you got Mud Buddy Pro Drive, Gator Tail, Beaver Tail, and Go Devil. All of those guys are the ones that have been around forever. All of those guys are the ones that are still continuing to advance. I mean, hell, Warren Coco came out with a reverse motor. Never in a million years did I think he would because Warren is straightforward simple less gadgets less hassle and that's how he's always been and that's what i've respected him about it, you know but the bottom line is he has he has a product now that has a reverse and has all that stuff so um there's the beaver tail right no he's go devil go devil more cook up yeah yeah but beaver tail has a forward neutral reverse motor i mean there's a lot of good things that have come out of this you know everybody's want to reverse forever and you know the like i said the only one that's had reverse longer than anybody has been pro drive they've been doing it for years so you know kp knows what he's doing he's he's a good guy all of them all these owners that i know they're all good people they're all real good people so assuming regular maintenance uh what is the life expectancy of a stock motor versus a built motor oh hell boat doctor had a motor it was a seven thousand and I bet you there were 2,500 hours on it. I've got several customers with over 1,000 hours on them. Um, there's one, it was a Kohler Longtail. Oh, heck, him and his dad, um, trying to think of 
I know Keith's last name like I know my own, but Keith has been running a 25 color long tail that he bought from me. I bet you it's got two or 3,000 hours on it now. It's just, it's crazy. If you do your normal maintenance, do your normal upkeep, and, you know, if you hear a noise, check it out. <laughs> Don't go, oh, hopefully that'll go away. <laughs> you, know? you want to write that down? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I do my normal. I was about to say, 2,500 hours on a 7,000. Jordan gets about 2.5 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that you, includes Jordan. the drive over there on the trailer. <laughs> Listen, that's just been, the carbs have been, were the main thing for the longest time. But I got what Sid and Sid got me. I, know, I need to adjust the air fuel on them. I noticed the other opening morning yeah you just gotta sink them that the the dual dual carbs are phenomenal they're fun you know they're cool and they do develop a lot of horsepower with them um out of a stock motor the uh, but with that you know it's like having six mccooney carburetors on a motorcycle you know you're gonna you're gonna be tinkering with them all the time yeah. it's not that it's a bad thing you just have to like to do that kind of stuff yeah. you know but there are so many YouTube videos and stuff out there now that you can watch that a lot of guys are doing it to help people out, you know, not necessarily undercut or, you know, get into somebody's skin with it. So, but every now and then you got to take your motor in, you got to have some TLC done to it and make sure everything's good. Check your compression. I need to get mine over to you after this season. I need to get mine over to you to get them <laughs> valves checked and everything else. Just make I sure. I got the bushings and everything done in mine too. Yeah. yeah. I Lower drop. Didn't we just do them? Maybe the other the kid before me that had it, but I'm trying to remember. What I don't was know his, what, what was his name. I forget. Um, I don't forgot his name too. He bought a center con. He went the total opposite direction. He He's like, the, I'm the, done the with the mud Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. But but yeah, they they'll last as long as you take care of them. That's what I tell everybody. They're long. If you take it out there and you beat the shit out of it. It, you're going to pay for it. You're going to fix it. Yeah. You're going to be doing stuff to it all the time. The You look at this old Sears push mowers that are still running today, little six-horse motors, you know, that every go-karter would love to have, even though it's 20 years old and got thousands of hours on it, they still want to build it, you know. Um, they make these little alcohol motors out of them. But the, the big thing is just routine maintenance. You know, if you hear a noise, don't wish it away, you know, get it checked out. Because nine times out of ten, you know your motor. If you run it enough, you know your motor, and you know when something doesn't sound right, or you've got a vibration in it, or you've got something out of the ordinary with it. So, so what are the differences between, other than appearance and advantages and disadvantages of a long tail versus a surface drive? Man, there's the long tail is the is what we call the motor that we have when there were no other options. You know what I mean? The um, Warren Coco came over here and started building the long tails because, you know, um, being overseas and doing what he did for the country, you know, there's, there is a, over there, the, the length of the frame is how you determine what you balance, what motor that you put on there. So I know everybody's seen the videos of little four-cylinder <laughs> diesel motors on these things with a hundred foot long frame that sticks out the back yeah. to hopefully counterbalance the weight of that diesel motor. So... He just kind of came over here, mainstreamed it, gave you two different sizes for tall and a short transom, and you know even a shorter boat with a little cricket they used to build, I think it was called. And the big thing with that was that the, um, you know, that was all we had. That was an option that we had. You know, uh, I think Briggs tried to get into the motor market when they had that little five horse air cool, looked like an outboard, 
just didn't really develop much much torque or or anything like that so but um but ultimately with all the advancements i mean briggs briggs has come out with the efi motors you know that 37 and the 40 they're hard to beat you know uh kawasaki's always had efi motors out um and then 40 the 40 horse from uh um, Kohler and a lot of those guys that have come out with EFI, you know, there's a 23 EFI out that's now. So, and Briggs has come out with that. So there's, I had that little Subaru. Yeah, yeah Subaru is an EFI motor. I mean, you yeah. to go pick that up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had, there's, there's a 26.5 Kohler that's out now that's an EFI closed loop system. Um, great running little motor and gives a good, a smaller boat, you know, an option to where they're not having to worry about sink in the back of their boat when they stop so there's a lot of good options that are out there that 23 fi is the one that i'd like to to um get down here and play with a little bit i think it'd be pretty cool so what advantages disadvantages uh does a mud motor have over an outboard or an airboat well as far as it between an outboard and a mud motor it's obvious you know you're you're a water-cooled impeller kind of deal um, on an outboard and mud motors air cooled you know it can go a whole lot different places um, there's little different things that you can't do with these longer drives you know the 32 inch drives on gator tail and mud buddy beaver tail those guys um, you can't do a stick steer with them you know you can turn it one time but you got to stop <laughs> to get it back straight and take off again but the um, pro drive does a real good airboat steer with airs where you have a little helm that you can sit on and drive it. Um, but uh, as far as between an airboat and a mud motor, I think airboats are surprised when they see a mud motor because they can go a lot of places an airboat can go. But, um, you know, I tell everybody you can't run dry ground, but there's a bunch of people that jump it all the time. Yeah, yeah I've seen you know? that. Yeah. So I got a winch in front of mine because if I can't yeah. make it by the speed, then I'm going to make it by the winch. Right? You get pulled across. But yeah, that's there's... Airboats are hard to beat, but really the difference between them is noise and fuel consumption. You know, you're running a 40-horse EFI motor now. You're averaging 35, 40 miles out of a six-gallon tank full, you know, and you're, you're gallons per hour on an airboat, unless you're running a Briggs motor on your airboat. You know, then it's a mini. Now, I've so. always wanted an airboat, but my biggest problem was, how are you going to hide an airboat? Oh, there are people who do it all the time. Yeah. They do it all the time. You can go to Okeechobee. You'll see yeah. about a hundred of them open a day of duck season. They hide them really well. Huh. So, but it's fun. They're fun. So, what's the best way to get speed on a budget? To get more speed out of a motor on a budget? Speed on a budget. Man, that's a... I assume that uh, that goes along the lines of you can have uh, good, fast, and cheap. You can have good, and you can have fast... But it ain't cheap. It ain't cheap. <laughs> yeah. Or you can have good and you can have cheap, but it ain't fast. Yeah, or you there's can have fast and cheap, but it ain't good. I guess there's a couple. There's a couple <laughs> different ones that are uh, that are out there. You know, I think Gator Tail refers to them as a stage two. My buddy or BPS has the uh, um, carb heads and exhaust. You know, they've got different ones. Cayman and Barracuda and Mako are theirs. Um, you know. Wiley X has his his uh, cams and his heads and stuff that he does, and you kind of you kind of figure out what their recipe is, you know. 
everybody's dialed in their recipe. You know, uh, Kalen at uh, Delta, that particular, his recipe that he runs, you know, it works and it does well. You know, you can, you can pick and play and, and that kind of thing with all kinds of different cams. You, you know, there's 308s, 304s, I think, but the, um, all of those different things, when added all together, the biggest thing is just more air, more fire, more fuel. You go faster. But the cheapest, the cheapest kit would probably be in the carbureted realm. Would be like a carbon exhaust from a stock carbon exhaust. Night and day difference, you know. Uh, better throttle response, that kind of thing. And then um, in your EFI realm, you have like a stage one, which is like heads, a muffler, and a and an air filter. And the EFI motor can adjust to it on its own, and you don't have to worry about the. Um, a, tune, a fuel tuner or that kind of thing. And then you've got, like, if you want to get more horsepower, that's kind of your mid-range would be your stage two from any of them or the or the Barracuda kit or the Beast kit from, from BPS, those kinds of things. So they're all out there. It's, uh, it's, it's, you have your own, it, it's your world. It's just figuring out what you want. Now, the big thing is you you can't just go into this and say, I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and hope it works. You need to think about what you're doing, where are you going to, what parts you're putting on there, and then how is it going to affect that motor? You know, I've got an AFR that I use here. I, I try to measure air fuel ratios and, and make sure that these motors are putting out the right kind of horsepower. They're not running lean, they're not running rich. You know, um, we all have that zone that we want to be in that we feel is going to be safe for the end user so they don't have to worry about it, you know, um, running lean or that kind of thing, but not so rich. They wash a cylinder wall and they blow the motor up. So heat is another thing that kills an air cooled motor. So if you can, if you can beef your horsepower without creating heat, you're doing good. You're doing good. So with all these, we're about to come up on the, uh, the time of year where the market gets flooded with used mud boats here at the end of duck season. Oh, it's been flooded all year. I can yeah. tell you that. <laughs> what is something people should be looking for when they're buying a used mud boat? The things they should be looking out for, I guess I should say. So you kind of got to look at the person you're buying it from. Um, you can look up anybody's profile now. And if you see a picture of the dude hanging on to the hand to the stand-up bar and the other hand on the motor and he's three feet off the water, I don't think that's a good used boat to buy. <laughs> <laughs> he's fixed it though. <laughs> but the like I said, the biggest thing to look for on a boat, check out the bottom of the hull, make sure there's not any hooks in the hull that can affect the performance. If you get dents back by the transom, you know. Anywhere from where you sit back, if you get a dent, big enough dent, it will hook the hull and it will ruin the performance on that motor. Um, there's a couple fabricators that are out there. Uh, David Green at Swamp Daddy Airboats, um, Michael Purvis, those guys. They can, they have ways of fixing that stuff, you know. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's when you beat them up, I mean, aluminum stretches, it doesn't go back. It's, you know, it's stretched. It's there. And all you can do is try to make it a little bit better. So... As far as a motor goes, take it to your local guy. You know, anybody that, that works on these, tell them you want a compression leak down, leak down check. Um, tell the guy that you're buying it from that you'll pay to have that done. If he doesn't mind letting you take it or he just meets you wherever with it 
and um, let, a, let a local mechanic do it. Let them check it, check the obvious of it, pull your spark plug boots out, you know, check your belt, turn the prop, listen to the bearings in the drive, make sure there's nothing, you know, out of the ordinary there. Um, you can tell motors that have been taken care of and ones that haven't, you know. Um, but for the most part, as much as these motors cost nowadays, you know, you could find a decent used one that needs to have a drive rebuild and still have less money in it than if you bought a brand new one too. So, um, but it's just trying to find those used ones that are out there. You'll get guys that were in it for a year and they're like, God, I hate this. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. <laughs> and they sell it for nothing, you know. Um, and then you got the other guy that's absolutely used it. It's been a workhorse and has done everything it's supposed to. And when you crank it up, you get a little puff of blue or white smoke coming out of it. <laughs> you know, you know that it's been run, it's been used, you know. So um, ultimately, there's a lot of replacement parts for Briggs. There's a lot of replacement parts for Kohler, Kawasaki, all of them. You have the ability to fix this stuff. So it's not, not the end of the world. If you do think you get a decent one, you have to do some work to it. You know, I tell everybody, anytime you buy a used boat, hands down. You're just buying what the other person didn't want to fix. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I mean, and that's the short suite of it. And it's not that it makes it a bad thing. It's just how much you got to fix that you're willing to accept. Right. You know? I so know. it's, I've seen some come in here that I'm like, you did what? You paid for this? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, but, you know, the, um, we had one come in that the, the absolute bottom had been beat to death. I mean, beat to death. And um, I was I was in amazement. I'd never seen one. And this was last year. And um, took it to my fabricator, one of my fabricators that I use, took it over to him. He, he cut every weld in the bottom of that boat. The floor was out of it. He put it in a press, re reinforced, and put more stringers in and cross bracing and all that stuff. And that boat, that bottom was almost flat again. You know, by the time we put Gator Glide on it, you didn't notice that that boat had a, a beating in it at all. So there's a way to fix it. It's just how much do you want to spend when you buy it and then how much does it cost to fix it, you know? So we had one more listener question uh, from Bart Wineland, and he wanted to know, he's running, looking at running a lot of weeds and brush in a semi-V versus a, like a flat bottom boat. Six one half dozen is the other. If you're running through cattails, that semi V is nice because it parts them so that you can go through there. Flat bottom airboat rakes just run over them, you know, and they just mat them down in front of you. And then before you know it, you're sitting up on top of them. Um, I like, I prefer the semi V or a mod V um, for running any kind of vegetation. And then if you use any of these products that are out there now, you've got um, a quick slick, you've got Gator Glide, you've got Wetlanders, you've got Steel Flex. There are so many good products out there. Some I think are better than others, um, but um, added to that to the bottom of your hull, that's going to help your performance going through that stuff because it, it reduces surface friction on the bottom of the boat. And that's all just stuff you're like painting on there, basically. Yeah, yeah. Usually you spray them or paint it on. The um, we I roll all of mine on. I like, for me, I like that that orange peel texture. Cause it helps introduce air and helps release that, that 
friction, suction, right. suction on the water. Suction on it and that kind of thing from, from so holding I, you down in the So I did to mine after I came and picked it up from you. <laughs> yeah. And I brought, I took it over to my shop, lifted up the crane, flipped it over. I think you did it with like two or three people's boats. I think you did Charlie's. You did. I, <laughs> there, were, there were several of them. I think I you got I did Charlie's. <laughs> I fixed um I fixed Mike's and then I did mine. Yeah. I used that whole gallon that you gave me on mine mm-hmm. just because I... I, I didn't want to do it, you know, right. recently, so I put it on thick. And I actually didn't even do it. My wife did. <laughs> this year? Yeah. Well, there's, there are, there are and, what, and some of those products, you got Gator Glide, you know, David Ward, and um, and um, Quick Slick. They're, it's patchable. So if you take a big gouge mm-hmm. or if it comes off of there, you sand that area real good and roll you some more on there, and you're good to go. You take off and run that joker again. So... There's some good stuff out there. I think Wetlander is the same way. Steelflex is the same way. But um, all of them have their, again, their little recipe that they use yeah. to make it happen, you know. And uh, none of them will tell you what that recipe is. So, <laughs> yeah. But I know I do know this, that the thinner the coat, it does wear quicker. But the thinner the coat you can put on there is usually more... Um, um, durable than than thicker when you now, put them on there. So. Now, a lot of companies are starting to come out with um, glass boats that they're putting these mm-hmm. mud boats on. How durable are those glass boats compared to these aluminum boats? You know, there's one. It's funny you say that. I got two of them sitting in the yard now. Uh, Larry Nolan, a guy out of South, I think he's from Lakeland, if I remember correctly. He was building a boat called a Wingmaster boat. And it's a fiberglass boat. And I thought, sure. He had an 18-foot boat that was 50 inches wide that weighed 300 pounds. It's the one that you showed me on Wednesday. Yeah, they're both glass boats. And I've seen some of the stuff these guys have put them through. And the one boat was one of the original boats that Larry built. That one is is the one that's sitting in my yard now. Um, We just repowered it. But he'd been running it with a gator tail for over 10 years. And there hasn't been a hole knocked in it. You haven't had to repair the gel coat or anything. So, you know, you get the right guy building them, I think they'll hold up just fine. You know, there's people putting mud boat mud motors on the back of Carolina skiffs. Yeah. You know. But so that also goes with take care of your stuff. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, if you're going to jump beaver dams and hit every log that you can find between wherever you're going and where you're coming from, but... The, a lot of these, but the reason why a lot of people went to aluminum was because it was just more durable. You know, you had some of these glass boats that, and even if you hit stuff with an outboard in these glass boats, you got to fix it. Yeah. You know, that's the bottom line, but you got some of these $70,000 hulls. I think I saw a mud boat on the back of a Hell's Bay, one of their gladesmen. There's this little <laughs> tiny gladesman that they put a 23 on and I'm I've, going, that's crazy. That's a. $50,000 boat you're running through yeah, the crap yeah. and I'm going yeah. had, first of all I wish I had $50,000 to run through the weeds like I've that. had a couple people ask me this question because I, I got into hunting I was in the more of the flats fishing mm-hmm. scene when I was growing up and stuff and I have like my brother and Josh Glenn and them guys and they asked me about quick slick and gator glide mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff about putting them on the bottom of their flats boats when mm-hmm. it comes to sand and Oyster rational, all that kind of stuff. How do you think that'll hold up, or is that a benefit it, to do it to their flat space? It does. It is. It is. They, you know, so <laughs> when Brian Krug, the inventor of, of Quick Slick, I called him back when we first used it, and a good friend of mine, Dallas Davis, he um, <laughs> he took and went and bought it from GTO Airboats, 
that was over in Ocala and he brought his boat back home. He rolled it on there and it was a clear product then. And um, he rolled it all on the bottom of his boat. He goes, man, this stuff's supposed to be cool. And he, and he shows me one day, he's like, look at this. And this whole boat sliding back and forth. I'm going, holy crap. <laughs> I'm like, that's pretty cool though. You know, don't disconnect it at the boat ramp. Yeah. Make sure it's in the water. <laughs> yeah. But the Brian, I called him and I said, hey, Brian, I said, my name's Sid. I'm with Fast Duck Motors. So I'm interested in selling your product. Do you have dealers or, you know, just trying to find out? And he goes, he goes, what do you, what do you do? I said, well, you know, I work on mud motors and, you know, I sell custom aluminum boats and that kind of thing. And he goes, and you're putting it, you're putting it on aluminum boats? I said, yeah, I'm not supposed to be doing that. And he says, he goes, I've never been able to make it stick. And I said, well, that's funny. I just followed your instructions that were in the bag with the quick slick. And I said, it's sticking on every boat I stick it on. <laughs> and he goes, huh. You know, <laughs> so... I was just, you know, Dallas was the one that came up with that and it worked, you know, and it was on there for eight years. And after eight years, he's like, man, I think I need to flip my boat. We need to get it flipped over and check this out and make sure how my slick's looking and stuff. And after eight years, that stuff was still on there. I've seen Gator Glide on boats that has been on there that long, you know, little nicks or whatever. But as far as oyster rash goes, depends on what you... <laughs> What you consider getting a slight yeah. oyster rub, yeah. <laughs> you know. Sometimes when some of these guys run, they'll run through sand, and that's all they're running in right now. Take, yeah. Take, for instance, you know, you got Clay Shidler, you got Eric Hasty, you got all these Dallas. Um, you got these guys that they're fishing um, extreme low tides right now, mm -hmm. and they'll rub that stuff off in a heartbeat, you know. But that's because it's a little thinner layer. But again, you can retreat it at the end of the season, and you're not it's, worrying it's about right your gel coat. There and you're not worrying about your gel coat. And aluminum's aluminum. Yeah, you know, you'll get oyster rash with it, but you can sand it down and coat it, and you're good again. You know, so. But it does it hold it does help protect that hole. Okay. Bottom line, it's like a keel guard. You know, everybody was like, "Oh, 150 dollars for the keel shield." What are you thinking? I'm like. You won't be fixing your keel on that boat, yeah. you know, if you put it on there. Yeah, so. it's going to cost more than that to fix it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You, I mean, you get a crack in the gel coat. First of all, you got to wait, you know, a month, two months, because everybody, you know, right now, especially with COVID, everybody is in their boats. That's the only yeah. play, thing that they could do for the longest time. So, but, um, and repairing gel coat, especially on a Maverick, a Hell's Bay, any of these high dollar boats that have you know, post cell foam and some of the high dollar stuff that they build them with, you got to fix it because if you get a water soaked tall, you're miserable. It's absolutely misery. So at the end of every episode, we like to do the under pressure outdoors tip of the week. Uh oh. What do you got? <laughs> what's, your what's your tip? Oh man. I guess the best tip is think about your car. Okay. You don't take your car out. You don't take your truck. Well, there might be a few of them that do, but you don't take a brand new truck. We'll just take 100, 100 fishermen and people that are driving trucks. You don't go out in the woods and run it down every dirt road trail and hop every whoop-de-doo going through the woods and say, oh, man, that was great. I got to go fix it now. You know, Try to think of that with your... You wouldn't take your brand new Ford F-150. You wouldn't take your brand new Gator tracks or anything like that and go to jumping dikes with it. You know, there's a way to go across a dike that's a whole lot easier 
and hitting it and hoping you don't cave in the front of your hull after you hit it, you know? So, but the tip would be... <laughs> he keeps looking at you a lot. That makes me worry now here. One no. time. But the big, the big thing is, is have fun with them. Have it within reason. And then, and be, and don't be upset. If you do get crazy with one, get a little liquid courage in you or whatever, don't be upset when you have a big repair bill. You know, every one of these guys, all of us that work on them, when we're doing repairs with them and that kind of thing, if we charge the actual time that it takes to fix some of this stuff that we get in here, everybody be broke. That's the God's honest truth because there's some that I'll spend eight or 10 hours because a guy tried to change his own muffler gasket and the boat, bolt was frozen up in it and he broke it off in it. It don't take five minutes to drill that bolt out. You know, yeah. it's, it's absolute murder, you yeah. know? So the biggest tip would be think about what you're going to do before you do it. Don't say, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. But they're, so, they're good. They're, they're tough machines. They take a lot more abuse than, than anything out there in an outboard realm. You know what I mean? Um, and some of the stuff I've seen, some of the guides that I take care of their stuff, I tell them, I said, one time, just take your phone and put it on selfie mode with a video and hold it over your shoulder and video your motor and then go back and look at it when you're stopped and fishing. Take a look at what you do to it going across there. because so that thing's beating and flying off the bottom and getting the hell knocked out of it. And if you look at that and the fact that they can start up and take off again, that's, you know, that is just a, a a good thing with what these guys have done to make them stronger and better, you know. So if I've said it once, I'll say it a hundred times, especially when it comes to running these mud motors through the weeds and through the trees and all that stuff, is just wear your life jacket. Absolutely. I know it's not the law in the state of Florida that as an adult you have to wear a life jacket while you're running, but... There's too many of them that are comfortable now. You got Mustangs and you don't even realize they're on you when you're running them. You know, I think I think even Freddie King, he had to reel himself in because he was that was the wild man on the water, you know, and that's just the way he was. But he um there's been so many people, so many horror stories that I've heard in the seventeen years I've been doing this, the um if they'd had a life jacket on, they'd they'd be alive today, you know. Um, I've seen guys get hit head on. I've seen, and, and it was purely coincidental, you know, um, and they had life jackets on and they deployed and they were fine, you know. Um, and then you've got the ones where they're trying to get across the lagoon to go to go hunt and they take a wave or the motor goes dead or something bad and they're, and they're in some of the worst weather in the, in the world. If they had a life jacket, their dog would have lived and they would have lived, you know. Most of this stuff you can get up and walk out of. But if you're knocked out floating face down, you're not coming out of that alive. They, they even make hunting jackets now mm-hmm. with the life jacket built into the Absolutely. Jacket. Absolutely. I, I, safety is key with everything. You know, there's um, the biggest thing is the, the number one thing that you could do. I guess the best number one tip out of all of this is wear your kill switch. That kill switch is there for a reason. You guys especially, just took both of mine. Yeah. <laughs> especially, work, especially with a long tail. There's a whole reason why they call that a dead man's throttle on the handle that's there. doesn't make it any less of a motor, just they put that kill switch on there for a reason. Mm-hmm. And I've seen 
too many too many battle scars and too many close calls and it's say you there's still you have to respect them you know what i mean though that set that kill switch is probably key and your your life vest is key and then do your annual maintenance you know yeah, I've had that kill switch come in handy. Just I have a little outboard that I run on the back of a twelve foot jumbo. But there's just things you don't see. You hit it, knocks it out of your hand. And had I not had the kill switch on, absolutely, the, absolutely. the motor would have kept going, and I wouldn't have had a hold of it. No yeah. yeah. where would have gone after. Right. Well, there was a kid in the in um, Emeralda Marsh this weekend. He had a long tail. Lost control of the handle. If he had his kill switch, he could have pulled it, but he couldn't, and the motor got locked over into the side and it was a short little boat buried the corner and boom down it went it sunk damn and emerald marsh is not shallow no not right now at all and so, it's full of gators oh absolutely there you go. anybody who's on facebook and saw that giant gator they were claiming oh that duck, that <laughs> i was, think that was in area seven yeah that i was think in that was in area one. seven he was eating everybody's birds yeah. i'm like wait a minute i, I couldn't take that <laughs> but the, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that you got to be mindful of when you're out there. Absolutely, still have to respect it, still have to enjoy it. You know, I'd say uh, one thing I'm not always the best about, and it's kind of screwed me a couple times too, is always bring an extra gas can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's, been, there's been times where I'm like, oh, I'll make it, and then gator season, I I was like 300 yards from the ramp, and the boat's like, duh, 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 duh. I was like, son. Of Put the trolling motor out. Yeah, if I had one of those. I broke out the paddles and paddled the 300 yards back to the ramp. I I remember we were were out on a a lake duck hunting one day, and he ran out of gas, and we had to go buy gas from a man who was mowing his grass. Oh, you kidding me? He he bought five gallons of gas off of him so we could get back to the ramp. That would be a long (laughs) paddle from where we were. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Know your surroundings. Never go any place in the dark that you don't know where you're going. Seriously, that's that's like just, you know, so many people get away with it. But the way that these marshes change with high water and winds and all that stuff. I mean, we had Chance, myself, and uh, a buddy of mine, we had a Broadmoor permit. And we went down the Tuesday before, go scout it, or Thursday before, went to go scout it. Went back into the impoundments and we found, uh, or in the reservoir, ran the reservoir, found the spot where we wanted to be. That night, storm came through. It went from being 80 degrees to 40 degrees. They had tornadoes. They had all kinds of stuff that went through. This is like three years ago now. And we, um, we waited till after daylight for the storm to pass before we headed out into the reservoir. And it was still kind of sprinkling, but it wasn't anything crazy. And the wind had started to die down and that kind of thing. We rode out to where we were going to set up at. That tussock had blown 300 yards from where it was. It was gone. And we're just kind of looking around and we're like, well, I think this is where it was, you know. And uh, so you just kind of scramble to find another spot. But, but yeah, that I mean, know your surroundings, know where you're going. Safety, you, you want to come back. You know what I mean? It's fun to, to brag about full straps. It's fun to say I kicked that guy's ass to the hole. It's fun to say, you know, I got there. But in the end, you want to still be able to get up on Facebook and wherever else and say that's what I did. You know what I mean? And you got to be mindful of guys with kids and, you know, and newbies, mm-hmm. you know. There's been 
the thing that frustrates me the most with with this sport and hunting and fishing and all of that is that there is so much infighting right now between sportsmen that we're going to kill ourselves and that's what they want us to do that's absolutely what they want us to do you know they want everybody to fight about oh why are you sitting at the boat ramp two days before it's time to get in there that's part of public land hunting now yeah you know yeah it's just how it is but ultimately if you want to hunt if you want to do your thing there's the there's no rule that says you can't be a guide there's no rule that says you can't do what you love and there's no rule that says that you have to be there at a certain time if <laughs> i wish i had the time to sit in line yeah. for two days i can tell you that but i don't but you know that's that's just part of the game you got to learn how to play the game that's tough but if we don't start getting along and coming together as one as hunters we're not going to have much else because all they're doing is reducing our territory and our area to hunt. That's all they're doing. And then we're going to fight amongst ourselves so much so that we're going to end up with nothing. You know, it's, uh, it's crazy. Well, um, this week for me, it was, I went to go scout about two weeks ago and, uh, Will and Sid kind of touched on both what I was originally going to say. Uh, Cause I went out the boat ramp and it was about 4:30 in the morning. And I actually was talking to you guys when I went out there, and I hit a fog bank and I couldn't see a foot in front of the boat. And the only thing that was going through my head was the boys that got lost out there on the Mississippi. Mm-hmm. So I stopped my boat. I went over there and grabbed my life jacket, put my life jacket on. I put my kill switch on because I'm thinking, hey, I have my wife to go home to. I got my dog in the boat and. Yeah. Um. It was real eerie. I have never felt that uncomfortable on a boat oh, before. Absolutely. And uh, if it wasn't for that, I was so prideful and everything to try to go out there and to scout that I didn't turn around at that time. And honestly, if I did turn around, I probably would have gotten turned up and lost because you know the location that I was at. And you mm. get lost there real quick. But Easily. When you hit a bad fog bank like that, don't be too prideful or don't try to act too much of a man or something else like that Stay and think <laughs> that you can't turn around and wait it out. Yeah. We were talking about it the three years ago. Um, there were some boys that were hunting from Florida, mm-hmm. you know, over there. And and um, there were four people that died opening day. Mm-hmm. And it was foggy. It was nasty. There was a storm that had rolled through there. And um, they had gotten lost. And uh, I don't know the full story of it, but all I know is there's four people dead. And the, you know, when you run over in that particular area, there's there's cruise ships, there's freighters, there's all kinds of stuff that's throwing six, mm-hmm. seven foot wakes, and you're in these little 17, 16 foot boats. Yeah, you, you that's a big wave. It's like taking yeah. it. It's like taking it to the ocean and going offshore 45 miles in two or three, you know. You know, there's shrimp boats, there's crab boats, yeah. there's offshore guys. There's, there's there. Yeah. I've everything. been down there, and it, it gets nasty, and it gets nasty real quick. And then yeah. here, uh, I was in Charlie's boat, and I found myself stuck between, hey, I got a seven-foot wake right here, mm-hmm. and I have a rock shore on the other side. What yep. do you do? Well, yeah. and uh, that's what Charlie turned around and told me uh, right before he left the boat ramp to go down there. He told me you put on that life jacket and you don't take that life jacket off until you put foot on camp yep until you're at camp yeah there's so the the these freighters they have radar they can see you Mm -hmm. they're not stopping no 
They don't care. So that's what we just outfitted our lead boat, the bay boat, with yeah. radar so yeah. we can find out where they're at. Yeah, so you can see them, or at least you can see they're in your path. Yeah, or you we know, can. But you're talking three, $4,000 systems, mm-hmm. you know. And I, again, yeah. falls back <laughs> into the proverbial, you better be prepared. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to do that, you got to spend a little money to make sure you're safe. Safety is key. I just saw one of the uh, one of the custom boat manufacturers posted something, that was probably a month ago or so, had a, a nice big dual rig, but it had a radar system on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of these guys that are that are running those dual rigs. They're, they're ferrying people out, so... You know, you'll have five, six guys on those boats. That's why they do them. Mm-hmm. And they want something big that they can still go through the marsh with, but they can still fish with, they can hunt with, they can ferry, they can carry out a line of layout boats behind them and set them out. And people sit in them and hunt out. You know? Yep. That's what Sarah wants me to get. We talked about that too, about yeah. that boat that we're yeah. about to be building here because Sarah wants something that she can feel more comfortable in and drive. Yeah, absolutely. And... A bigger boat. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's kind of, um, when you refer to when you refer to Charles when he built that big pro drive boat mm-hmm. that he's got that's a twenty foot boat yep. he said he got scared one time and there was a, in that same storm mm-hmm. and he was running that little seventeen foot boat of his out there and he goes I never felt felt so small in my life yeah. you know? that's when you were calling him mm-hmm. that same year cause... I was calling all those guys that I knew yeah. that were over there and I was like hey what's the deal is everybody good and he was like yeah everybody's good you know and half of that stuff. You can't even, you can't even reach them out there. They, you yeah. know, satellite phone is probably yeah. better than the cell mm-hmm. phone they're toting. But, but yeah, there's, you know, a lot of it. It boils down to you got to, like you said, you got to be willing to turn around and go home. Yeah, you know, you can't say you're already spending a bunch of money to kill six ducks. And it's not yeah. worth killing yourself. Yeah, <laughs> not worth dying for it. I'll be honest with you. I'll go find a breakfast joint, go eat something, and go try and go out and kill something then. But it's uh, it can be rough quick. Well, Sid, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. I think yeah, we uh, covered a lot of great information. And yeah, uh, tell people how they can find you. Um, <laughs> uh, Facebook is the best best place they can look at my Facebook page. You can find my phone numbers on there. My website's www.fastduckmotors.com. Um, you you Google Google Fast Duck Motors, and we're just about everywhere. So the um, uh, they can call me. I've got guys that instant message me from Instagram to Facebook to whatever, and I may not get to you right then, but usually when it's about seven eight o'clock at night and I'm just coming in, I'll start checking all my messages and I'll start answering, you know, try to help out all I can. That's all I can do. The, uh, during the day, it's hard to get a hold of me. And thank God for my better half, Lori. She answers the phone and, <laughs> and listens to all the horror stories. Yeah. And, and, um, she is, um, I don't think she was prepared to, to learn this much about mud motors when I got into this. <laughs> uh, but, but she is phenomenal. She does awesome. And she usually, if it's part, she knows parts in and out. You know, she can help you get those. Um, anything like that. You know, if you can if you can give give a somewhat accurate description of your motor. Yeah. Well, not <laughs> she only can that, help you. <laughs> not only that, over here at Fast Duck Motors, if you call, you can get a hold of his wife and stuff like that in the main office. And if you're in the uh, 
market for a new boat and stuff like that they can price you out a new boat mm-hmm. and set you guys up with all that kind of stuff so yeah, Sid is not only just a mechanic on these he is a dealer as well for you guys to buy new motors new boats new trailers or anything mm-hmm. that suits your guys's needs yep yeah we try to do it all you know there's We've got different fabricators that we use for different things. You know, we try to offer something that's a little bit different. Uh, we we keep a lot of parts in, um, and we try to keep some on the shelf all the time. That gets expensive, but we try to make sure we get you guys turned around during yeah. hunting season and get you. You got back me out. back on the water that yeah. next day before. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You know, you guys wait for three months out of the year. But the sad part is nobody runs their boat the whole other nine months. <laughs> and then the opening day, they fired up. Oh, it's running. It's good. And it makes it halfway across and bleh, it runs dead, you know, either because of bad fuel or just, you know, they haven't run it. So the, uh, but yeah, we, we try to help with a little bit of everything. We try to do, you need something fabricated on your boat, a crack welded up, anything like that. I've got a lot of good guys that, that do this stuff, so. It's, um, after being in it for 17 years, it's good. I mean, you do a lot of fabrication yeah. and stuff, so mm-hmm. the, uh, um, it's hard to find people that understand kind of what you're dealing with, with metallurgies and, and the different types of metal, you mm-hmm. know, you'll get the guy that has a 20 year old John boat that was his dad's boat and it's been in the family forever. Mm-hmm. They want to weld pods on the back of it. And you got to explain to them why it's a pop river aircraft or a boat idea. and it ain't going to happen. It's not a good idea. Yep. Buy the bolt on version. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, there's, there's again, a lot of guys local and with all the COVID that's going on, you know, I can't thank my guys enough and the people that come to me for business and, you know, um, for all that they've done for us to help, you know, keep the doors open here because there's so many people that are, that, you know, I think the latest thing was 3.4 million people are going to be declaring bankruptcy in January, mm. you know, so there's a lot support your local guys, you know, yeah. there's a lot of guys out there that do a lot of good work, you know, and they do their best to make sure they get you back out there. But if they're backed up and they're busy, it's because they are good and everybody's bringing in their stuff. Yeah. You know. Well, Sid, I think you said you had one of them fiberglass boats out there. You got a couple of them out there right now. I want to go see that. Let's go out there and have that look at it. We'll catch you guys (laughs) next week.